as we think about the word, the word today, I was, I was thinking about the reality of, of superhero culture. You know, when I grew up, Superman was really popular, and, and then you had the different groups. You had DC and Marvel, but, but there was this strong love and appreciation for, for superheroes, for superhero comics, for, for movies. And, and something inside of us really longs for the extraordinary, you know, if we, can't, if we can't actually be invincible, if we can't actually jump in, 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 over, over storied buildings or, or, or fly faster than the speeding bullet, then, then at least we can live vicariously through the stories of those who can. There's something engaging about this idea of a superhero because we long for the extraordinary in our own lives and we live in the ordinary. I mean, we live in, 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 in a world of Mondays, Monday mornings after Sunday night, and, and income tax. That's going to happen in the new year. Merry Christmas. Spam email. Just ridiculous nonsense. And that's just your life. Is, and now it's spam phone calls. And, and, and just this ordinary droll that we live through. Diapers. We've moved out of that, but that was, that was ordinary. It, it was, it's a unique thing. Well, it's not a unique thing. It's, it's a strange thing that cleaning other little people's junk is ordinary. Every, everyday activity for some of us. But what if I told you that one of the greatest things that you could do was to embrace the ordinary and trust God with his extraordinary power? What if, what if I could tell you that that the ordinary life that you're living is not something to be escaped, not something to hope that, that something better will come, but to embrace knowing that, that in the ordinary you will encounter an extraordinary God. That's my hope this morning. So let's stand together as we read the Word of God together. We're going to read out of Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Luke chapter 1. Verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, uh, the angel uh, Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, 
and this is the sixth month with her who has been called barren. For nothing is possible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we come to you with our ordinary problems, our ordinary challenges, our ordinary lives. But we also recognize that we have an extraordinary distance and challenge and difficulty in the sin that we live in, the sin in our own hearts, the brokenness in the world around us, and we need an extraordinary God. You know that, that our hearts long to be elevated, that we would ourselves be extraordinary, and yet you invite us to embrace our ordinary lives and to trust you to be extraordinary. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak through your word to help us to see that you use and you love ordinary people, and that it's you who are extraordinary. And that's not something to be disappointed about as we look at our own lives, but it's something to be embraced with joy. That we can put our trust in you, we can rest in you, and we can do the ordinary things that you've put in front of us to do. God, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. So this is a, a fairly well-known story, I think, for, for many of us. You have this ordinary girl and this extraordinary visitor, and he gives this extraordinary proclamation of what God is going to do in her life, and, and, and she responds with, with what I think is a pretty logical and, and succinct request or question, and, and he gives the answer, and, and then she gives this, this one response that is just shocking to me. So I want us to look at this, this, this encounter that she has. You have Mary. She's this ordinary girl. Uh, step away from your, your, your kind of our Christmas Advent trappings and, and understand that this was a, a, a small Jewish girl, probably in her teens, as young as 12. Not, not something that we would necessarily think of when we think about the idea of being married or, or being betrothed, but she was a young ordinary, an unspectacular young lady. And, and we don't know anything about her. We don't get any real origin story. We, we kind of find out that she's, she's in a certain family, in a certain tribe, but we don't know much about her life. And so much of this story uh, really goes against our, our present day culture of, of, of putting ourselves forward, building our own platform, letting people see who we are and, and what our credentials are. Mary is not really anyone special. She probably had ordinary hopes and expectations. She, she was going to be a, a wife and, and would eventually be a mom, and, and perhaps she was thinking about what that would look like. She was thinking about what it would look like to, to raise a family, to, to live this life with this man that she was become, becoming familiar with. In, in one commentary, this pastor, Kent Hughes, describes her as a nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. 
I don't think he's trying to be unkind in, in describing her as much as to say there's nothing about Mary's life that would make someone say, oh, yes, I understand. That's why God chose her. And, and the, the, the good thing about this is that she's someone just like you and me. She's just like you and me. Now, God uses her in amazing ways. We'll get to that point. But I want you to understand on the front end that the God chose to enter into this young lady's life, not because he saw, oh, you know, I know that she's going to do this, or yes, I, I see that she's this, or oh, man, I've read her resume, and she's, she's, she's a keeper. No, God chose in grace to enter into her life. And then you see this extraordinary visitor, a messenger sent from God, it says, Gabriel sent from God, an angel who'd been previously talking to a guy named Zechariah. Now, the interesting thing about this, we, we think of angels and we think extraordinary, but I don't think that when Luke is talking about Gabriel, I don't think that Gabriel is the extraordinary point of the story either. In fact, I think the only reason that Luke mentions his name is so that we will know that this is the same Gabriel that he was talking about before. So Gabriel goes to, to Mary's uh, cousin or relative, a guy named Zechariah, and it's Zechariah and Elizabeth. They will father John the Baptist, who's a relative of Jesus. But if you read that account, you find out that, that, that Zechariah encounters an angel and no name is given. I'm trying to find the place where it says that. It says uh, in verse 8 of chapter 1, Now while he was serving as a priest, talking about Zechariah, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot. He entered the temple, and, and he was praying in there. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said, Do not be afraid. And so, so Gabriel begins to talk to him, and explain what's going on. And it's only at the point at which Zechariah says, I'm not sure I believe what you're telling me that Gabriel tells us his name. And he says, hey man, I'm Gabriel. You may remember me from the Old Testament. I spoke to Daniel and I stand in the presence of God. And, and he pronounces a, a bit of a, a punishment for Zechariah. So when we come here and we see this Gabriel being spoken, the point is not Gabriel himself, but just to say that same guy who was speaking is now speaking to Mary. And he's a messenger who has an extraordinary message for Mary. If you look at verse 28, it says, And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now imagine, again, the situation. This ordinary girl, she's a teenager, she hasn't accomplished much, she, she doesn't have... You know, she's not a billionaire. She's not an influencer. She doesn't have her own uh, Etsy store where she's just killing it. She's just a young lady. And this angel shows up and, and says, oh, greetings, favored one. There's nothing about her that would make us say, oh, yeah, that's why God chose her. And that's why he says favored one, because the word there in, in the original language, it's grace given one, one who, who has had favor and grace bestowed upon her. And grace is not something that we earn. It's something that God gives freely. God chose to bestow his grace upon this ordinary girl. And then he goes on and he says, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. 
Now, this is a small thing, but that phrase, delivered by an angel, is the same phrase that was given to a guy named Gideon. And uh, if you were to go to Gideon, or if you were to go to Judges in the Old Testament, Judges chapter 6, verse 12, you would see that an angel comes to Gideon, and Gideon is an Israelite in a time when the Israelites were being persecuted and oppressed by a group called the Midianites. And so he is actually, he's hiding in a wine press. There's this like big thing that you would press wine, uh, or you'd, you'd crush grapes in, and he was hiding in it. And the angel comes to him and says, hey, greetings, O favored one, or or something along those lines. The Lord is with you. And what's interesting is that in Gideon's life, God took this nothing guy of little consequence from a tribe of Israel that was of little, they were not impressive. And he admits that himself, himself, and he takes Gideon and an army of 300 men And they defeat the Midianites, and it's described as uh, the number of people, the number of of enemies were like the sands of the sea. It was was the sands of of the beach. It was a ton of people. God takes this small, ordinary, boring group of people and does an extraordinary thing. Like Mary, Gideon was not extraordinary, but God used him to do extraordinary things. And similarly, God would use this humble an ordinary girl to bring about an extraordinary victory for you and me. And so maybe, I'm I'm thinking maybe, maybe she was familiar with this story. So the angel shows up and he he begins to talk to her. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And maybe in her mind, she thinks of Gideon. She's like, what? What's going on here? I I don't quite understand what's going on. And she responds, by being greatly troubled, it says in verse 29, she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what kind of greeting this might be. And you, you, you've had these kinds of emails where someone, they send you an email like, hey, how are you doing? And there's just something different about the way they respond. And you're like, there's, there's another shoe that's going to drop in just a moment. So after she has that moment, the other shoe does drop. And in verse 30, it says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Again, she had found favor with God. She had found the grace of God, not because of anything in and of herself. She was ordinary. There was nothing that God needed from her, nothing that that God saw and said, Yes, if I partner with her, we're going to do this thing together. No, he decided, I love this young lady, and I'm going to choose her because I love this young lady, I'm going to choose her. He loved because he chose to love. And so he says, you found favor. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Oh, this went from good news to perplexing news. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And will be called, sorry, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And and we read that and we're like, wow, that's awesome. Jesus is coming. He's going to be the king. He's going to be the son of the most high. The, the, The phrase the most high always referred to God. In the Old Testament. And and he was going to be the son of the most high. He's going to be divine. And yet he's going to be of the, 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 
the lineage of David, this king whom, whom God said, this is a man after my own heart. I'm going to establish his kingdom. He's going to have a kingdom that lasts forever. And so he's going to be completely divine and yet also completely human. This is amazing. This is great theological. Oh, I'm excited about this. And God is going to, he's going to save his people. The name Jesus is the, the Greek version of, of Yeshua or Joshua. Yeshua sa- or, uh, Yahweh saves. Yahweh will save. God will save. We're going to name him God will save. This is an amazing story. And Mary has this one question. How will this be since I'm a virgin? I love that answer. Right? She's like, that's all well and good. That sounds awesome. I'm all for it. But one question, biology. You see, she's a young lady. She's, she's saving herself for her husband. She's pure. She understands how babies happen to exist and that it takes some things to happen that haven't happened. And so she says, how is this going to happen? And it's, a, it's an honest question. You know what's interesting about this interaction? One of the things that's interesting about this interaction with, with this angel is most of the time when an angel comes, the, the person that, the, that that angel interacts with falls to their face, freaks out, and thinks they're going to die. And, and like any teenager, she just stares at him and is unflappable. <laughs> I don't think there's any attitude behind it. I don't think she's sassy or anything, but, but it's just, it's fascinating that she's not freaked out by the angel, but, but rightly so, she's like, we need to slow down. Can you help me with this? She asked this question, how? And, and, and it's, it's neat to see that, that Gabriel goes on to answer the question. See, God's not afraid of our honest questions. Now, if you were to go back and look at Zechariah, he had a question, and in the English it says it's how, but, but in the original language, the way that they asked the questions are different. Zechariah was this old guy, he was a priest, his wife was barren, and he had been praying and asking God to give them a child. God, would you give us a child? Would you give us a child? Would you give, a, give us a child? The angel shows up and says, good news, I'm going to give you a child. And he's like, wait, what, what? I don't believe it. How? And so he was made to be mute until the baby would be born. But that was not because he asked an honest question. It's because he didn't believe the good news that he had been praying for. Now, Mary, it seems, has a level of faith. She's like, I, okay, but how? And she's not saying, I don't believe you. She's just saying, I'm not sure what step one is here. Because I know what step one is when it comes to the normal way of making a family, and and we haven't done that. And so Gabriel answers her with an answer and a proof and a promise. In verse 35, it says, And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born. To be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The answer is that God is going to do this. He's going to do this extraordinary thing. And in much the same way that the Holy Spirit in the beginning hovered over the waters before God created all things, we see that the Holy Spirit is is going to overshadow Mary and create something in her womb, someone. 
God is going to do this. The Holy Spirit doesn't create Jesus because he is a second person of the Trinity, incarnate, pre-existing. Anyways, sorry. God is going to do this extraordinary thing. He gives the answer, but then he also gives a proof. He goes on and he says this. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who has been called barren. And if you don't believe me, Mary, or if, you're, if you really want to, you know, have some confidence, go visit your, 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 your relative Mary, or your, your relative Elizabeth, because she is pregnant. And God is doing something. And then he gives this amazing promise. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Now, this, this is a bit of a crux here because I think that we, we get excited about this on face value. We're like, yeah, nothing's impossible with God. But, but so much of what this scripture is telling us is that nothing is impossible with God, though it is impossible with us. And you can't have one without the other. I talked about how we want extraordinary, we want superheroes, we want awesomeness. But the problem is we want it for ourselves. And so... If you're anything like me, when you read that, you kind of read into it, nothing's impossible with God and Eddie. But Mary understood that, no, 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 this had nothing to do with me. Nothing is impossible with God. And so one of the most extraordinary things in this little story is Mary's response. Again, just a teenager. How, how might she have responded? Just take a second and think about how she might have responded to that news. Hey, I've got some exciting news. You're going to be pregnant by nobody. I mean, think about her going, she's not in school, but imagine her going to school. Oh, I see that you uh, are pregnant. And imagine the things that would be said about her behind her back. In fact, those things are said about her and later on about Jesus in his ministry. That he's illegitimate. Imagine the, the world that, that this news is bringing her into. The environment, the reality. Imagine what she's going to have to say to Joseph. She doesn't know that, that Gabriel is going to interact with Joseph. So imagine, and she might be thinking at this moment, okay, well, I guess that I'm going to be on my own because Joseph is not going to be, he's not going to believe me. He's not going to believe that this is a result of, of God at work. Zechariah responded with doubt. I mean, he, he was given amazing, miraculous news, and he responded with doubt so fast. So fast. I talked about Gideon in the Old Testament. Gideon, when, when God says, hey, you're going to do these amazing things, he says, great, can you give me a sign? God gives him a sign, and he's like, that was great. Can you give me another sign? That's, that's how he, she could have responded. But listen to what she says. Behold. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That is extraordinary. That is extraordinary. She, she receives the news without complaint. She humbles herself as a servant. And she submits herself to the will of God. 
What makes Mary's life significant? As we think about Christmas and we think about the Virgin Mary, we think about our nativity scenes and, and maybe you're from a tradition which kind of venerates Mary and you think about, man, she was awesome. And she was awesome. But what made her significant? Was it, was it her upbringing? No. She's just a normal Jewish girl. Was it her, her giftedness? I mean, was she, a, was she an amazing speaker? Was she a, a, a wealthy entrepreneur? No, she's, she's a teenage girl. She's trying to live her life. Her accomplishments? She had none. None that we know of. Her connections? The only connection we know is that she was engaged to be married to Joseph. Is there anything about Mary that commends her? Not really. And, and I don't mean to, to say that to, to belittle her as much to say that she was an ordinary person and that's hope for us as ordinary people. What makes her significant is that God chose to favor her. And she's significant because she embraces her ordinary life and trusts in an or, extraordinary God. In three words, Mary believed God. Family, as we think about Christmas, as you think about your life, I, you know, it's, it's beginning to look, I almost started singing. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I wasn't talking about Christmas. I was talking about the new year in my head. We're beginning to think about the new year, new resolutions, or maybe you're not quite there yet because you're just trying to make it through. But as we begin to think about these things, we, we might survey our lives and say, what do I have to show for this? I've got dirty diapers in the trash. I've got bills on my desk. I've got people at work and unwritten emails. I've got recipes for spaghetti that I have to make. I've got a bunion I've got, no, I'm, I'm, I've got, what do I have to show for this life? But the good news is that God has given you an ordinary life and is willing to enter into your ordinary life and do extraordinary things. And the greatest news is that God shows us that by entering into humanity's life and, and becoming a man in order that we might live with this extraordinary God through faith in Jesus. What makes your life significant? God doesn't need an army of extraordinary superheroes. He loves and he uses ordinary people. And Christmas, Advent is about the story of him sending his son to save ordinary people. People who could see that they needed an extraordinary God. I wish I could go further. We, there's so much to be said about our heart to pursue the extraordinary because we don't want to accept God's extraordinary. But let me just say this. This Christmas, would you, would you join me in trying to find the ordinary things that God has given you, celebrating those things? And saying, God, what extraordinary things do you want to do through my ordinary life? Husbands, what, what extraordinary things 
does God want to do through our commitment to try to be ordinarily good husbands? Trying to be better than we were. Wives, what, what does God want to do by, by taking your ordinary love for your husband and devotion to him and, and just doing extraordinary things with it? Parents, what does God want to do with your ordinary day in, day out commitment to say, I'm going to teach my child to love God. I'm going to teach my child to serve God. What is, what is God going to do through our ordinary, everyday faithfulness to him? If you feel today like, man, when I look at my life, I'm not super impressed. Can I encourage you that that is okay? Because God loves ordinary people. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love ordinary people, ordinary people like me, who need your help every day. God, I confess that there's so much in my own heart that desires to be held up as, as extraordinary, to be seen as extraordinary. To be, there's such a temptation that we all face of, of wanting to be seen in the spotlight or to be appreciated, or to be seen as significant. But God, I pray that we would embrace the, the ordinary, down-to-earth lives that you've given us, and that we would see that it is through our faithfulness in those things, like Mary's faithfulness to say, I am the Lord's servant. Would you help us to see that it's our faithfulness that brings you glory, and it's ordinary people that you use. God, I pray that, Jesus, you'd be lifted up and we would love to serve you, to glorify you, to show the world that you are extraordinary. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, family.